found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is, uh, would you say that that is the most popular scripture at a wedding? You can pretty much count on it being read. Um, But anyways, uh, we'll be talking about that in the sermon as well. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there is prophecy, they will fail. Where there is tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. He begins in chapter 14. So let's take a moment in preparation. Ultimately, that, that, uh, that love personified is our Lord Jesus Christ, is he not? So let's prepare our hearts to worship our God. Let's take a moment in silent meditation. Amen. Please rise now as we hear the call of our Heavenly Father, and our call today comes from Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, let us do so. Let us uh, sing unto the Lord. Let's make a, jo- a joyful shout unto the God of our salvation. Uh, we'll begin with uh, 570, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, and then sing Psalm 135, O praise the Lord, his praise proclaim.
Father in heaven, we do thank you that you have called us to be part of Israel, that we are the people of God. Our identity is found in you. And that you have called us this morning through the uh, uh, dangers even of this cold weather. Uh, You've enabled us to gather here. We pray for not only those that have gathered, but also for those who are listening in from home. We ask that we would honor and glorify you. You grant us your spirit to that he would work in us, both the will and to desire to do your will. We do pray and that you would open our hearts, search us, as the word your word says, search us and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us and grant us repentance, grant us faith, Enable us, O Lord, to um, look to Jesus Christ once again as the only sufficient sacrifice for all our sins. We thank you, Lord Jesus, as we read about the love that is described in 1 Corinthians. Ultimately, it is a description of you. You are patient and kind, etc. And so we pray that you would enable us, uh, O Lord, to learn of you more today, uh, to understand and appreciate you, and to uh, be instruments or vessels of that love that you would love uh, through us. And so we pray for that work of your spirit today through your word, and we ask, O Lord, for your blessing on the preaching and the teaching, on the fellowship, and on the meal this afternoon. Uh, We ask, O Lord, uh, we know that all these things come from your hand. And so we thank you for them, and we pray that you would enable us to say thank you. Uh, in word and deed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
We are called to confess our sins this morning, and we will do that with a responsive reading found in your bulletin. And that responsive reading comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. I will read the light type if you could respond in the dark type. For as many are above the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do understand that the laws, you, you have written your law on our hearts. And furthermore, you have revealed very clearly your law in the Bible. And you've shown us, as we looked at last Sunday, that we are covenant servants of yours created in Adam to serve you. But like Adam, we have rebelled against the King, the Lord, the sovereign ruler of all things, the owner of everything. We have not used our time as you have intended. We've not used the resources that you've given us in the ways that would please and honor and glorify you. And so therefore, our Lord Jesus had to come in order to fulfill all righteousness, in order to redeem those rebels, bringing us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son of, his, of your love. And so again, even though we are in Christ, yet we find ourselves again and again not loving you, not serving you, not honoring you as we are called to, that we fall short of that. We have fallen short of that this week, this day. We have sinned against you in thought, from the heart, as well as working it out in word and deed. So Lord, we, we acknowledge that we have not pleased you as you have called us to. We know that the scripture says without faith it is impossible to please you. And so we do pray that you would grant unto us true repentance and faith, that we would hate our sin and turn from it always more and more. Grant unto us also the joy in you through Christ causing us to take delight in living according to your will, according to your law in all good works. And so we do renew our covenant relationship with you. We bow the knee. We acknowledge that you are Lord and we're not. And we pray that you would enable us to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords with our mouths in song now 
and in hearing your word, putting it into our lives and putting it into practice, going about. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in my life, in our lives, as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us do so. Let us sing about the grace of God in Christ. He is the rock of ages. He was cleft for you. 452 is the hymn number, I think it is. 452. Rock of Ages. Let's stand and sing. be seated and keep that hymnal in your hands and if you and turn with me to page 851 if you need it the apostles creed as we have opportunity to confess our, our faith before god and man beloved in the lord jesus christ what is it that you believe i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. 
he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And also, if you'll take up now that small uh, Heidelberg Catechism, the complete gospel, uh, we are working our way through the Heidelberg Catechism this year, and we covered uh, Lord's Day 1 last week, and now we're in Lord's Day number 2, page 18, questions 3, 4, and 5. I'll read the question, if you can respond with the answer. Question three, from where do you know your misery? Of God. What does the law of God require of us? Christ teaches us in some, Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Can you keep all this perfectly? No, for I am prone by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So last week we looked at uh, your only comfort in life and in death. What is it? I belong to Jesus, right? My faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to describe what he's done for us, what he's doing, what he will do. And then we covered uh, the what is necessary to know. And here we have actually the outline of the Heidelberg Catechism drawn from the gospel according to St. Paul, uh, the uh, Book of Romans. Uh, guilt, grace, gratitude. How great my sin and misery is, how I am how I'm redeemed from all my sins and misery, and how I'm to be thankful to God for such redemption. So guilt, grace, gratitude. So now we enter into that first uh, section, and that is guilt. What did uh, the Apostle Paul do in his letter? What did he spend the first three chapters on? In one word, guilt, right? In one word, sin, right? Our need for a Savior. So... How do you know that you are miserable? In a sense, isn't that what question three is saying? How do we know, how do you know your misery? Well, the natural man suppresses the idea, I'm not that bad. It's not that bad. No, what do we need? We need the light of God's word to show us our misery, how bad we are. And so how do you know it? Out of the law of God. So, the Bible, in a sense, tells us the bad news first. Is that important? If you had cancer and the doctor comes with bad news, you got cancer. I've got bad news and good news. What do you want to hear first? Bad news. You got cancer. You're going to die. Good news. I can operate. But are you going to submit to the operation of the doctor before you know you have cancer? Before you know... You need the surgery? No. 
not if you're sane, right? Trust me, right? The doctor's always right. The CDC is always right. I know, anyways, it's a different story. From where do you know your misery? From the law of God. What does the law require of us? Notice what they did. They did not at this point in time, the authors of the catechism didn't recite, have us recite the Ten Commandments. Isn't that a summary of the law? Wouldn't you expect it at this point? But it's not there. It's later on in the catechism where you find the, the Ten Commandments. But here, you find the summary. And uh, you know how I like to reduce things down to single words or so. If you were to summarize the law in one word, it would be? <laughs> okay, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, in, in the quotation from Matthew 22 is missing one element that's found in one of the times that this, is, this commandment is found in the Old Testament. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the last one in the Hebrew is, and with all your everything. Um, uh, it's everything else. <laughs> it kind of fills in. Whatever I didn't say, here it is. God, you're to love God with everything. Okay, um, does a natural man love God with all his heart, all his mind, all his everything? What does it say? I am prone by nature to hate God in my neighbor. Is that the natural man? Is that who we are in Adam? Right. Is that a hard word to hear? That all you do is hate God. You go around all day long in Adam... Unbeliever, all day long, everything he does or she does is an expression of hatred towards God. You ever thought of it that way? That's offensive. How dare you say that? Well, that's what Scripture says. This is just a summary of what Scripture says. The natural man hates God. Isn't that what sin is? Again, my favorite uh, illustration coming from Cornelius Van Til. What is sin? Sin is crawling up into the lap of your heavenly Father in order to slap him in the face. That's sin. And the crawling up in the lap is using the things that he's given us, time, energy, ability, to slap him in the face. That's what sin is. So is God offended by every human being? The answer is yes. We are prone by nature. Thanks, thank you, Adam. We are prone by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So what can we do about it? Oh, I can, I can, I can, I'll, I'll change. I'm going to go, I'm going to try to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, love my neighbor as myself. That's what I need to do. How you, can you do it? Well, two things. Number one, you already have a problem because you've already violated that command and you're in trouble, right? The wages of sin is separation from God and life, etc. And number two, you can't in yourself. So, pastor, why are you being such a Debbie Downer? Why are you being so negative? Because... How else can we really appreciate the cross? Well, not only the cross, but how can we really appreciate the perfect life 
that Christ fulfilled, uh, lived, and the righteousness that he fulfilled, living in this sin-cursed world where everyone, even his disciples, hated him, suffered, abandoned him, denied him, betrayed him. And yet, while we were yet sinners, what does Paul say? He died for us. He loved us. Greater love is no man than this. Then he would lay down, a man would lay down his life for his friends. He called us his friends when we were his enemies, when we hated him. So the solution is the Lord Jesus Christ. His perfect righteousness, his perfect satisfaction of the wrath of God, the justice of God, being in Christ delivers us from the consequences. And does that work in us to give us a new nature where we're not prone by nature to hate God and our neighbor? Amen? Amen. Let us uh, prepare our hearts for the preaching of the word uh, this morning. If you'll turn with me once again in your hymnals to 463. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. 463. Let us stand and sing.
Amen. Please be seated. If you'll please turn in your Bibles to our text this morning. And that is the uh, letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus and to us. Um, I'm going to begin, it says in the bulletin, starting in verse 21, I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. Our text is verses 22 through 33. Hear now the word of the Lord. See then that you walk accurately or circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be under the controlling influence of wine, in which is dissipation, but be under the controlling influence of the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you. We thank you, Lord, for this portion of your word. We thank you for uh, guiding the Apostle Paul through the work of the Spirit and inspiring this. This is uh, given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us. We do pray that you would enable us. Whether we are married or single, this is your word to us. Help us, Lord, to better understand what you are calling us to do as we walk with Jesus. Um, being seated in heavenly places in Christ and now called to follow Christ as the good shepherd and we are his sheep. Help us to be able to follow him in these commands 
Uh, these are the words of Jesus Christ through the Apostle. And so we ask, O Lord, for your blessing as we consider these things now. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we said earlier when we were preparing for the worship today, what is the most popular scripture that you usually hear uh, quoted at a wedding ceremony, uh, even among non-Christians? And that is this love passage, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, And um, there was an author, there was a a musician uh, years ago when when I first came to Christ, so that's, we're getting into almost 50 years ago, uh, wrote this song, uh, basically quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But then she said uh, kind of a summary Uh, something she added to it, which I thought was interesting. So I'll just read to you the lyrics. Although I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and though I prophesy and understand all, although I have faith so mountains may be removed, and though I feed the poor and give up my life, if I have not charity or love, agape, if I have not charity, if love does not flow from me, I am nothing. Now, she's paraphrasing uh, that passage, but then she says this, Jesus, reduce me to love. Jesus, reduce me to love. Uh, I thought that was a fascinating way to respond to that. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious, not proud, but gentle and meek. Seeks not its own. Love sings when Jesus prevails, believes and endures all things. Love hopes and bears all wrong, and love never fails. And then again, if I have not love, Jesus reduce me to love. So I thought that was a a very powerful statement, isn't it? We're called to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We know we can't. Uh, Jesus, love through me. Uh, Paul will write in one place, Uh, The love of Christ constrains me. It's not my love for Christ. It's Christ's love for me and for others. The love of Christ constrains me, takes, captures me, controls me. I am under his control. Isn't that what we talked about last week? We talked about submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ, his covenant servants, So here we find uh, an application concerning uh, marriage, husbands and wives. Which is harder to do, submit to authority or love? Don't answer that question. That's a rhetorical question. Usually, yeah. Think about it. What is harder to do, submit or love? We're going to think about that today. So my main point there is in the bulletin, Jesus revealed the greatest love that was ever seen, ever by laying down his life for us. We see that in the Gospel of John chapter 15. That's what he said. Greater love is no man than this. He also revealed the greatest submission ever when he came down from heaven, not to do his own will, but the will of the one who sent him. There is in John chapter 6. We rejoice in the wonderful fruits of that loving submission to God the Father, which includes our eternal salvation and our relationship with God. 
How can you and I, how can we express our appreciation for this great love and service of Christ? By loving and serving him and the ones that he has placed in your life. So again, we've been working our way through chapters 4, 5, and 6. We're working in the response to grace, and that is walking with Jesus or walking in the love of Christ, if you want to, in verse 2 of chapter 5, walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor or aroma. So walking in Jesus or walking following Jesus is walking in the love of God found in Christ. So to be in Christ is to be in the love of Christ. To look at everything through that veil, through that sphere, if you will, the love of Christ. Walking in the love of Christ. In verse 15 of chapter 5, he says, walk in wisdom. Well, Scripture says that Christ is the wisdom of God. So if you want wisdom, if you want skill for living, walk in Jesus, guided by Jesus, what he says, his word, his spirit, walking in wisdom. In, chapter, in verse 18 of chapter 5, he says what? Do not be under the controlling influence of wine or anything else, but be under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. So we're to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, right? Paul says that elsewhere. So now we come to how do we do so? What is the expression of that? Well, last week and this week, submit. submit to, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands. Respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Practical application. So my first point, in order to do any of those things, you have to deny yourself. In order to love outside of yourself, you have to deny yourself. Why? Because we naturally love ourselves. Deny yourself. Take up his cross, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. What's the opposite of denying yourself? Indulging yourself, that's good. How about serving yourself? Paul refers to it as will worship. Isn't that an interesting way to describe self-service? I worship my will. Is that what sin is? Worshiping my will. I. Self-service. What about being self-centered? Do we have that tendency? When did it begin? When did being self-centered begin? It began when you became aware of yourself and those around you. I think, therefore, I am, and I'm from that point on. The natural man is self-centered. You don't believe me? Watch an infant. Deny an infant what he or she wants. And what do you see as crying bloody murder, right? I want it now. And I'm going to make your life miserable till you give it to me. Those of you that have older children, does that go away? Is maturing happen where you learn self-control? And, well, I can't get my way right now, right? 
Is that the natural man in Adam? The natural man in Adam, it's all about me. Self-centered, self-serving, self-indulgent. In other words, sin. That is the natural man. Not only individually, but do we see that in society? Are we watching the, the destruction of our nation and destruction of our culture, destruction of the world because of self-centered, self-indulgent, self-serving individuals? The answer is yes. What about the average person? Where does this all come from? I have uh, illustrations here I'm going to skip over, like definitions, definition of marriage. What's the definition of marriage today? That is it the same as in the Bible, in our culture. What's the definition of marriage? Two people loving each other, right? Is that the definition that God gives in Genesis 2. No. What about family? Has family been redefined in our culture? How about gender? Has that been redefined or sex or gender or whatever? Right? Is that the natural man? It's all about me. What we have is we're back to the garden. Pastor, why is it you can never leave Genesis 3? You always keep going back there. Because it's where it started, right? What was the temptation at the, the tree? In the day you eat thereof, what? Knowing good and evil. Ra'a, if you want, ra in Hebrew. I, I like to translate it determining, knowing and determining good and evil. Is that what they did? Yes. They determined for themselves that eating of the tree was good. Didn't they? It's, it's good for food. It's beautiful. It, it can make me wise. It can make me like God. I'm going to choose to do so. What did God command Adam and Eve to do? Well, to submit, right? Don't eat of that tree. That's the one command that I give you. You can eat of any tree in the garden, and there's this wonderful uh, uh, banquet of trees with all kinds of great-tasting fruit, but don't eat of this one. And you want to watch a, a young child, uh, you want to see rebellion, tell them No. You can't do this. You can't say that. All of a sudden now, it's the one thing that that child wants to do. Did Adam and Eve obey God's command to submit and to love? And the answer is no. What about the average person? Do they want to submit to authority naturally? No. Do we love from the heart, our neighbor. No. But let's stop and think. What about our Lord Jesus Christ? Mentioned in my main point. 
Did he submit to the Father? Did he only do what the Father told him to do? Was there things in his life where he wanted to, or he could want to do things to make his life easier, but because he was in submission to the Father, he had to go through the trial and testing? Think about in the garden praying, if there's any other way that you can remove this cup from me, but nevertheless thy will be done. How many times was Jesus tempted like us, yet without sin? All the days of his life, didn't he? And yet our Lord Jesus Christ submitted to the Father. What was his motivation? Why did he do that? Because of love. Love of the Father and love of us, those whom the Father had given him. So we're called to follow Jesus, to look to Jesus, first of all, right? You can't follow someone unless you first look at him. You have to see him in order to follow him. And so what does the scripture say? Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And now is set, set down on the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such affliction of sinners. Lest you be weary. And so the first thing, in order to understand and fulfill this particular command that we find, is to look to Jesus. To turn from our rebellion and to trust, to rely on, to believe in Jesus. Do you? Is he your only way to God? Do you say amen when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father but by me. Is that an amen? Thank you. All other world religions all say that's not true. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, you name it, you go down the list. Animism, you name it. All say, no, that's not true. There's another way. And Jesus says, no, there's no other way. Are you trusting in Christ alone for salvation? Well, if you are, then this passage makes sense and God's grace enables us to do so. And so again, that means, my second point, submitting to Christ. As we looked at last week, walking in the fear of Christ, showing that respect is covenant servants of the Lord of Lord. Isn't that what we're called to do? Follow Jesus, walk with Jesus. Thus, he calls us all to submit to God's covenant structures. He's the creator, the definer, and the Lord of marriage. We're looking at marriage here. Marriage is not a human construct created by man. Do you understand that? If that was true, then man can redefine it as ever he wants or she wants, right? If it was a man-made structure created by man, then man defines the terms. But no, where was 
the first marriage. Who, who made, who conducted the first marriage ceremony? Who defines marriage? It is God. Where? Chapter? Chapter 2. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So there's the definition. Moses says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So that definition of marriage, marriage was established by God. He conducted the first marriage ceremony, if you will. And so he is the Lord of marriage. He is the Lord of the family. The purpose of marriage, the purpose of family, is to be a blessing. To be a blessing to God. And a weird thought? To glorify God. To reveal God. Is that what Paul is saying here in our text? There's a great mystery concerning Christ and the church reflected in the marriage. It points to Christ and the church. That's what marriage is about. It's to glorify God, to reveal God, to reveal the eternal relationship between Christ and the redeemed of the Lord, his bride, the church. That's the purpose of marriage, primary, is to glorify God like anything else. Right? He is the creator of marriage. He's the definer of marriage, and he is the Lord of marriage, and therefore, as the Lord, he can tell us what to do. Right? If he's the boss, it's not the husband that's the boss, it's Christ that's the boss of every marriage. Is that important? Has there been misuse of this phrase, wives submit to your husbands? Have husbands used that against their wives, acting like God? The answer is yes. It's in submission to Christ that this is that that's the context, is what I'm trying to say. Thus, he, our Lord Jesus Christ, can command... Wives, submit to your own husbands, but notice that, as to the Lord. So that submission is ultimately to Christ, isn't it? And is that freeing? Isn't that what we all are called to, is submit to Christ? There's no independent Christian. That's like saying, I'm a homosexual Christian. That doesn't make sense. Okay. You're either independent in Adam or you're in Christ and you're submitted to Christ. He's Lord. What does Paul say in Romans 10? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, does that mean that he's the boss? 
that he's the one that we're in submission to. He says, jump, and you say how high on the way up, right? Isn't that what we're called to do? Follow Jesus, submit to Jesus. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. God created the woman to be a helper comparable to the man. She's not his servant. She's his number one counselor. She's his helper to his face, literally in the Hebrew, before him. He, she is a helper comparable to him. In the context, God brought all these different kind of animals, and none of the animals were comparable to him. And so he had to create woman. She's his equal. She's his counselor. A wise man listens to his wife. I've said it differently in other contexts. What's the way that I've said it in the past? The man who doesn't listen to his wife is a fool. That doesn't mean that, you, that he does what she says, but he listens to his counselor. I, I recently, someone said something I thought was really interesting. She, uh, she said, uh, I won't say who it is, but uh, some, she said, is, it's easier to be a counselor than the person that has to make the decision. Does that make sense? The one who's responsible for the decision, ultimately? I can t give you counsel. You can take it or leave it. But if I'm the one that has to take the counsel and then make the decision and then live with the consequences of my decision, that's harder to do, isn't it? Than it is to just simply spout, I won't say spout off, but just give advice. Take it or leave it. Or I, had a, I have a son who was working as a general manager at a very large restaurant, and one of his comments was, heavy is the head that wears the crown. He was responsible for 200 and some people, employees plus customers, and it was killing him. He finally resigned from that job. One of the reasons was it was affecting him physically. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Submit, love, serve. And then at the very end, he says, respect your husband. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? When you're, when, just like your boss, right? When your boss decides to tell you to do something and it's really a dumb idea, you still are called to respect him, even if he's wrong. Do you, are you having a hard time respecting the president of the United, the current president of the United States? I have a hard time respecting him. We're called to respect those in authority. Respect the uniform, maybe not necessarily the man. Right? We're called to love. That love is expressed in submission to authority. Submission is the bind that ties. Anybody catch that? Did I mess it up? Submission is the bind that ties. What should it sound like? Submission is the tie that binds. But I'm saying submission is the bind 
because of covenantal union that ties us together, reinforces the relationship. Submission is the bind that ties, it holds it together. How hard is it to be able to be going into war and the, and the leader, the sergeant, or the, the commander says, follow me, and nobody's following. Right? It's what binds us together, is submission to authority. Submission to Christ and those that Christ has placed above us. Submit to Christ is the second point. But here is the greater command in our text. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Love your wives. Love one another. As Paul says, love, the love of Christ, constrains, compels, impels us. Husbands, you have an even more challenging command. Submit to Christ by loving your wife as Christ loves the church. Can you do it? Can you love your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it? I don't know about you, but that's an impossible command to love as Christ has called us to. Christ has called us to. Notice three comparisons in our text. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Notice verse 28. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. According to Genesis, you are united to her, you are one flesh. He goes on to say, no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Third comparison in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Love is patient. Are you patient with your wife? Love is kind. Are you kind to your wife, especially when she provokes you? Do I need to go down the the list, go and read it, study it? One of the things that helps me whenever I look at 1 Corinthians 13, I compare that with my treatment of my wife. I crash and burn and confess my sin. What helps me to know and helps me is if I substitute the word love with Christ, is Christ patient? Is Christ kind? Is Christ not provoked? Does Christ not envy? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. That's a description of our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? And can Christ do that through me? The answer is yes, he can. What's the problem? I'm in the way. My pride, my selfishness, my self-centeredness is in the way. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. 
and follow Jesus. So it's a tough call, brothers. Does your love for your wife affect those around you? Does it affect your children? Does it affect your fellow employees, neighbors? The answer is yes. Can your wife say to you, or say, I feel loved? I'm not talking about after you have a conflict, but generally. Yes, my husband loves me. Can your children say, yes, my dad loves my mom. That I know. Can that testimony be found in the family? Now, what about those who are unmarried? Oh, this passage doesn't apply to me at all. I can just skate here. That's for my mom and my dad. That's for those that are married. This doesn't apply to me, right? Look at verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Are you part of the church? Are you in Christ? We have um, sometimes, I don't know if you're, you ever see it, but uh, there are a number of young ladies, women, that live across the street that walk around with black clothes on and a little white thing there. Um, and they are um, unmarried. right? But when you talk to them, what will they say about themselves? They're married to Christ. Okay? That's their identity. Is that not our identity as well? If you are in Christ, is he the head? Are we part, part of the bride of Christ? It, now notice how I say part of the bride of Christ. There was an error in the Middle Ages where uh, the mystics said, that I am the bride of Christ. And the, and the, guys, <laughs> the guys would say, well, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not a woman. I'm a man. But is the church the bride of Christ? Is that what the Bible says? Yes. And so we are part of the bride of Christ. There's a difference, and there's wrong theology there. So everyone, all believers, single and married, are part of, are in Christ, this passage does apply to you. One of the ways that, uh, that it applies is the idea of growing deeper in your knowledge and appreciation of Christ the head. Okay. Isn't that what it means to be a disciple? A follower of Jesus says, I'm following Jesus and I want to get to know Jesus better because I'm going to be spending eternity with him. He's my Lord. He's the one that I am called to submit to, to respect, to honor, right? Isn't that last week's sermon? So it does apply. We're called to love, to walk in love. Again, notice in verse 2 of chapter 5, walk in, uh, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering of sacrifice to God uh, for a sweet-smelling aroma. 
So we are called to walk in Christ, to walk in love, and to love one another, which is a fulfilling of the law. So we're called to walk in Christ. We're called to submit, to serve, to honor one another, and those in authority over us especially. So how do you do it? Through the love and grace of Christ, if you haven't heard that. I've said it probably three times already. Paul says what? The love of Christ constrains me, compels me, impels me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who gets the glory? God does. When they see your love, they feel your love. Ultimately, it's Christ's love. He gets the glory. Through the love and grace of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. What is, what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's applying the work of Christ in your life and through your life. Walk by faith. Trust in Christ and submit to him and his commands. Again, closing, if I have not love, if love does not flow through me, I am nothing. Jesus, reduce me to love. Jesus, reduce me to love. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we do thank you for your love revealed to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ and in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you have given to us not impossible commands in Christ. Impossible in the flesh, yes, but not impossible in Christ. And so we ask, O Lord, that you would enable us as ways of saying thank you for all that you give, that you've given, give, and are giving us. Enable us, O Lord, to be able to say thank you by loving you, by submitting to you, and also to submit to those in authority over us and to respect those in authority over us and to love those in authority over us and those under our authority. Help us, Lord, to be good servants, faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Let us respond to God's word by giving of his tithes and our offerings. Father in heaven, we do thank you. We thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Pray that you give us the grace to be able to believe it and to live it. We thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us the ability to respond in tithes and offerings, and we pray your blessing upon 
the distribution and the use of these resources to, uh, for your kingdom's purposes and for your glory. We do also thank you for providing for us the things we need, our daily bread. We thank you, Lord, for uh, reconciling us to you, and we pray, O oh Lord, that you would enable us to be peacemakers, to forgive those that have sinned against us, and also, uh, Lord, to enable and to be those who uh, are those uh, ambassadors of Christ, to enable us to do so. Uh, we do acknowledge the warfare that is about us. Uh, sometimes we forget that there is a war going on all about us, that we have an enemy, the enemy of our soul, who seeks to divide and conquer. And yet, Lord, we pray for unity, as you've commanded us to. We pray, we pray for peace, not only within our own relationships, but also in the world. We see a world that is at war with you and with one another. And so, Lord, we do pray that you, in your sovereign purposes, according to your purposes, we do ask, O Lord, in judgment, remember mercy. Lord, please bring peace, especially the peace of the gospel, to those who are facing a Christless eternity in hell. O Lord, have mercy on their souls. We lay before you the many requests that are in the bulletin. Uh, we do lift up to you uh, Clayton and Skip and Darlene. We do lift up to you Ethel, Mike Lassley, Hank Bowen, Audrey. Uh, those who are traveling, we ask for traveling mercies. We lay before you the needs that are not mentioned in the bulletin as well, needs that we all have and needs that uh, others that we are concerned about, concerned for, salvation of our family members, extended family, many who do not know you. O oh Lord, have mercy on their souls. Grant us opportunity to live and to share the gospel with them. We lift up to you the city of Dickinson, the surrounding community. Yes, there's many churches here. There's many that, that say that they're Christian, but yet they don't know you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open their eyes to see their lack and their need for Christ. Help us to be instruments of that grace. We pray, O oh Lord, for this world. We think of the needs of those who are grieving for the loss of life, for the murder of innocence, as we're preparing to remember the murder of millions of babies established by the Supreme Court in 1973 and around the world in other countries. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would deliver those are being drawn to death. O oh Lord, open the eyes of those who are blind. Save the innocent, we pray. We lay before you those who are suffering because of warfare, terrorism. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would overcome, protect, deliver. We pray Lord, for the particular needs that we have brought with us, we lay these at your feet. The burdens, the cares, concerns, worries, we know that 
you care for us. And so your word says, roll your burdens on the Lord. And so we do so at this time. And we pray this prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us uh, close our service this morning by celebrating the love, love of Christ, the love divine, all other loves excelling, 465. Let's stand and sing.